wow. <laughs> I don't think I've ever received uh, such an amazing setup for a sermon, our time with the Word. Our theme is, as you've heard a couple of times now, life interrupted. And when we chose this theme, we thought it would be pretty appropriate. It fits with Lent, the season when we pause and examine our lives and seek to deepen our faith. Life interrupted. It also makes sense given the circumstances of the past year. All of us have had our lives turned upside down since 2020. What we did not know, what we could not have anticipated was that all of us would have our lives interrupted in a new an immediate way. What a week it has been. Snow and ice, freezing temperatures, power outages, water shortages, fallen trees, busted pipes. Many have suffered. Some in our region have died. Now the storm is past, and if you're anything like me, you've started to experience some relief. But repairs, recovery, and restoration, all of these still lie ahead of us. We are in the midst of this, not yet at the end. It's like we're stuck in the middle of a mess within a mess. A natural disaster inside of a year-long global pandemic. I don't know about you, but I have found my own fear and grief and frustration reinforced this week. It's hard to bear. But this is where God finds us. Here, where we are, just as we are on this first Sunday of Lent. We gather and we turn together to the word of God. Let us pray. Loving God, living Christ, Holy Spirit, draw near to us. We welcome you into our broken and battered hearts. Speak your word to us, comfort us, inspire us, and lead us on to live gracious lives that glorify you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But, 
Wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sometimes what you're looking for is right in front of you. You search the whole house for your glasses only to find them on your face. You curse the broken appliance only to realize that it isn't plugged in. Or you drive past that address you've been looking for despite your GPS. Oh, there it is. There all along. What must I do to inherit eternal life? It was a profound question that the lawyer asked Jesus, but it was also a question with an obvious answer to anyone who had done the reading. The right answer was a matter of Jewish law as set forth in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Jesus got the sense that the lawyer was testing him, and so he turned the question back around. And so it's the lawyer, not Jesus who gives voice to the two greatest commandments in the Torah. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love is the answer right under our noses. But the love under discussion this love that leads to life, it's, it's a particular kind of love. It is a love for God that involves every part of us, heart, soul, mind, strength. This love is like that part of the hokey pokey, you know, where you put your whole self in. Remember that? As we worship, as we pray, study, and serve, we are loving God with all we've got. And then there's that second part, the love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's a natural next step, if it's a separate step at all. Since every person is made in God's image, loving others is all bound up in loving God. 
In a way, these two commandments are one and the same. Inspiring stuff. But from here it gets complicated. As the songwriter Towns Van Zant once sang, there's nothing that's as real as the love that's in my mind. As human beings and as Christians, we have this tendency to idealize love without practicing it. All too often, our love ends here in our heads with our good intentions. Or it ends here in our hearts with our sentimental good feelings toward others. We don't make it real. Knowing the right answer is not the same as doing the right thing. Jesus was always pointing this out. He knew how hypocritical people can be, especially we religious types, more often than we might consciously realize or care to admit. We're actually looking for an excuse not to love. We don't want a greater responsibility to love than what we already feel. Like the lawyer, we want to justify ourselves. Who is my neighbor again? Maybe what I'm doing is already enough. Jesus' parable is a response to the lawyer's question and a challenge to our complacency. A traveler on the road to Jericho falls victim to a brutal ambush. He loses everything, his money, his clothes, very nearly his life. Luckily, this road is well-traveled, and it isn't long before three other people come along, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Now, these men are set apart by their positions in life, and yet, they're all traveling the same road. They all see the same wounded man. The difference is that while two passed by, one allows himself to be moved. The Samaritan lets himself be moved. You might say he lets his life be interrupted. He fought back every good excuse. Like, I see that this man is hurt, but I told my family I'd be home tonight. And what if this wounded man is a criminal himself? I don't know how he got those injuries. Even if he does need help, surely, surely someone else will come, come along, someone who has the time, someone who's better than, better than I am at this kind of thing. You know, like, I hate the sight of blood. Of course, Jesus doesn't reveal this man's thoughts or any of his character's thoughts, but we can fill them in. And yet, in the end, there were no ifs, ands, or buts for the Samaritan. He felt a tug from deep down in his gut that pulled him over to the side of the road. He felt a tug stronger than any self-justifying rationalization. And he let himself be dragged down into the dark and muddy ditch where the wounded man was. 
the story goes on, but preparing for today, I kept finding myself drawn to this part. It's the middle, the very moment that things begin to change, the turning point, the twist. Anything can happen, including a happy ending. But it's not here yet. And that's just so like our current situation. Like I said before, we're in the midst, in the middle. We are in between. I have heat, but I don't have water. You have broken pipes, but you can't line up a plumber. Our system has failed. We have to face its failure. This is the middle. It's the messy part with the oil and the wine, with the mud and the blood and the bandages. We're in the ditch. We are in the interruption. So what now? A couple of days ago on Ash Wednesday, Stacy preached about how life's interruptions are often when God does the best work, both in us and through us. What if that's true? What if life's interruptions are openings, opportunities for us to hear the voice of God more clearly, to love in new ways? What if the ditch is the place where love begins? On Tuesday evening, after our power had come back on, my husband Elijah and I took our dog Joni for a walk. In the fading light, we picked out a path through the snow and ice. It was slow going. We were thinking we'd go to our local convenience store, you know, see if it was open. But from way down the road, we could see that the lights were still off. So we turned back toward home. Back at our building, we noticed a neighbor pouring over the electrical meters on the outside wall. He was bundled up in a pea coat and nursing a glass of whiskey for warmth. Joni ran up to him and we all said hello. But as we began to commiserate, it was clear that our neighbor was still without power, even though everybody else in the complex had theirs back. Night was falling and his apartment was already freezing. I really wish I could tell you that right, right then and there, Elijah or I said, this is crazy. You're sleeping on our couch tonight. But we didn't say that. What went through my head instead was all the reasons why not. Like, sure, we've lived near each other for years, but I don't even know this guy's name. I know he has a dog, a dog that's also going to freeze tonight, but our dog Joni famously doesn't get along with other dogs. Like, not at all. Not to mention COVID, and our place is a total mess. Surely if it gets too bad, he can go someplace else. We're having a hard time, too can't speak for Elijah, but that was my inner monologue. And so we parted ways with half-hearted well wishes and words of 
Good luck. Back home, we started to cook dinner. It was for a few sweet hours that evening that we had both heat and water. And thanks to a recent grocery delivery, we had meat and vegetables and rice to eat. Probably just enough for two people, I thought. Not really enough to share. We looked over the recipe and got to work. It was a few minutes before anyone spoke. Maybe, after dinner, why don't we go and check on him? Maybe we could give him our hot water bottle or something hot to eat. You know, he could stay here. We could be careful. You're right. After dinner, then we'll see. When we knocked on our neighbor's door an hour later, he was bathed in warm light. The problem had been solved. His power was back. I kicked myself. I had blown my chance to be the Samaritan. I had missed the interruption and the opportunity that it presented. But I don't see it that way now. Not because the problem sorted itself out. But because on Wednesday I learned my neighbor's name. And I told him mine. And the next day, on Thursday, he brought us a bucket of water that he'd boiled over his camping stove. And I gave him two of the muffins I'd made, scraping together what we had in our pantry. And on Friday, I started writing these words. I started writing this story, and I began to think that this story wasn't just my story. Like you, I am practicing Christianity. I don't always love as readily as I wish I did, especially when my own life is hard. But then I remember and I give in to grace. I let myself be moved and suddenly I become who I really am, alive in the world as God intends it to be just for a moment. Maybe, just maybe, We can have those moments more often. It's not entirely up to us, but it's not out of our hands either. It's within reach. The kingdom of God has drawn near. Over the next few weeks, we are going to have a lot to think about. There's still going to be a lot to feel, and there is going to be a lot to do. Repairs, recovery, restoration, all that stuff. Along the way, it's going to be tempting to pay lip service to love while looking out for our own interests. It's going to be tempting to pass the needy by, forgetting what it felt like to freeze, forgetting what it felt like to go a week without a shower, forgetting what it felt like to lose. It's going to be tempting to get caught up in ourselves and self-improvement and self-justification. Lent is good for that, though it's not the point. 
in Lent and in life, in the middle of all that we are going through, God is inviting us to do something different this time. Maybe we can even narrow all of our usual Lent commitments down to one, to engage life's interruptions. May we welcome them when they inevitably come. May we know them as opportunities to love. We won't be perfect, but we will be on the right track, going out of our way. That's exactly when we find ourselves drawn onto the path of God's righteousness, onto the way of the cross, onto the road that leads now and forever through death and into life. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.